relax, will you, for crying out? What's, what's getting to you? I'm breaking your balls a little bit, that's all. I'm only kidding with you. Sometimes I mean, you don't sound like you're kidding. You know, there's a lot of people around. I mean, I'm only kidding with you. We're having a party. I mean, I just came home. I haven't seen you in a long time, and I'm breaking your balls, and you're, right away you're getting fucking fresh. I'm sorry. I don't mean right. to offend you. I'm sorry, too. It's okay. No problem. Okay, salute. Now go home and get your fucking shine box. Motherfucking mutt! You, you fucking piece of shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on! 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 Come As the new year brings new promise, Donald Trump has 19 days to close out his legacy as President of the United States. Will he go kicking and screaming? Or will he gather some dignity and walk out gracefully as he can? Trump has been eerily quiet on almost everything, including a massive bombing in downtown Nashville and the fact that as a country we can't seem to figure out how to vaccinate millions for COVID-19 heading into 2021. With 19 days left in Trump's presidency, Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance has ramped up his investigation as news leaked out to the Washington Post that Vance had enlisted the help of a forensic accounting firm named FTI Consulting. I had to personally look up exactly what a forensic accountant does. Have you ever watched the crime show CSI? The forensic scientist, flashlights in hand, comes every inch of the murder scene for clues. Well, forensic accountants do the same kind of work, but in the financial world. We investigate allegations of fraud. Forensic accountants are quite often considered accounting pathologists. Our job is to come in and tell the story of how the crime happened. The incriminating evidence comes from bank statements and ledgers. Why? Because the numbers tell the story. FDI Consulting, one of the largest financial consulting firms in the world, offers a full range of forensic, investigative, data analytic, and litigation services, according to the company's website. In aiding Vance's probe, FTI experts are likely reviewing Trump Organization bank and mortgage records already obtained through grand jury proceedings. In a long-running legal battle, Vance is still seeking eight years of Trump's tax returns from the president's accounting firm, Mazars USA. In any investigation, FBI, DEA, IRS, when the forensic accountants come in, that can't be a good sign. Knowing Donnie Boy just a little bit, you have to wonder if his books and records are really above board. Now let's not forget the task at hand, and that is a deep analysis of Trump's varied connections and crimes as it relates to the Russian Mafia or ties to Russian intelligence, and the close to 50 associates that exist. The next step in this journey is a fascinating individual that was in Trump's orbit. There are pictures of him with Ivanka and Jared and Don Jr. I do think that Trump at some point might have said he didn't know who Felix Sater was, which is kind of crazy, as Felix did the Trump Soho real estate deal with him. But like Don said, I got no ties to Russia, 
the Russia hoax, the Russia witch hunt, I will say that Felix Sater is an interesting guy to say the least, but his past and present is very murky. Today, the House Intelligence Committee finally got its chance to grill Felix Sater. The former Trump business partner skipped his date with them last month, using a classic excuse. He missed his alarm because he was sick. So the committee subpoenaed him. Despite Sater saying he'd answer all questions, the committee released a rare statement saying he failed to fully cooperate and didn't produce the documents they asked for. Sater has a long criminal history, but the reason anyone cares about him is that he's the member of Trump's network with the closest ties to the Kremlin. In 2015, he bragged that he could get a Trump Tower off the ground in Moscow with help from Russian President Vladimir Putin. It's a long way from Sater's beginnings in Brighton Beach, Brooklyn. The 80s was the most bloody years in Brighton Beach. Russian bad guys uh, were these bandits, gangs from Brighton Beach who were shooting each other. It became more sophisticated after their sons graduated American universities. It was real estate. It was boiling rooms on the Wall Street. Russian journalist Alexander Grant fled to New York in 1987. A former dissident who spent 12 years in a KGB prison, Grant is an expert in Russian organized crime. He has known the Sater family for three decades. For me, Felix Sater is a bright American with a Russian background. Uh, I, it will explain every, everything. His father was a criminal, Misha Sater. Felix was growing up in his company, and he's been an American-educated guy with respect to the Russian-speaking criminal father. So this combination produced him. I've heard a few things about Felix, some immensely fascinating, and some that leads me to believe that he falls into the category of a rat for the federal government. Someone who lives in the rarefied air of oligarchs, intelligence agencies, and corrupt banks of the kleptocrat class. The type of criminal that will wear Bruno Magli driving loafers, Savile Row suits, yet has no problem paying a hitman to kill his business partner. Felix did go on a media goodwill tour which was pretty fascinating overall. It amazes me to this day, these gangster types that are so caught up in their own egos, they just can't be fucking gangsters. They also have to be media darlings. Here is Felix talking with Chris Cuomo, who I actually like. I think he does good work. I think he might get a little buddy-buddy with some of these guys, but Chris is all right in my book. Special counsel Bob Mueller has subpoenaed the Trump organization to turn over documents, some of which we believe are related to Russia. Well, we know that. We know it's one of the search terms in the subpoena. Our next guest is a Russian-born American citizen and a businessman affiliated with the Trump organization who tried to broker a deal between Trump organization and authorities in Moscow to build Trump Hotel. It didn't happen, but it is certainly important to this overall story and the Russia probe. Joining us now is that man, Felix Sater. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Chris, for having me. Now, first thing I tend to ask people in these situations are, you have made the decision to come forward and speak. Why? Because ordinarily, 
counsel will advise people don't talk until this is all over. But you want to speak now. Why? Um, some documents have been unsealed <clears throat> about my work uh, with the various national security agencies on behalf of our country. And I was approached by two reporters um, who said there are pieces of this that are coming out and it's going to come out and you have to sit down and tell the truth. Otherwise, it's going to get piecemealed. And after 20 years of work protecting our country, I didn't want it to come out the wrong way. And I wanted to give a full picture of everything that I've done in protecting our country. So this, there is this whole intelligence assets uh, slash spy story that goes along with your involvement here. And it's interesting, and we'll talk about it. But it is interesting to me that that's motivating you to come out on not all these other questions that have been swirling around about you. To this point, whom have you gone and spoken to from the government about your involvement with Trump and a potential connections to Russia? Have you talked to Mueller's investigators? Well, I can't. I'm not at liberty to discuss any ongoing investigations that the U.S. government may be having. Well, you can am, say who you've spoken to. You know, they usually direct you not to talk about the content of what you've discussed. Uh, without checking of what I can and can't say or where I can and can't discuss, uh, speaking about existing investigations, uh, I can only say that I have, in fact, testified in front of the Senate, uh, in front of the House Intel Committee. Um, but the rest of it I can't discuss until it actually comes out. But that does lead to the conclusion that if you don't say that I haven't spoken to the Mueller investigator, because certainly you could tell me if you haven't, right? There's no penalty to saying I didn't speak to Mueller's investigators. So if you're not telling me I haven't spoken to the investigators, the assumption is that you have. Do you allow that analysis? This interview was actually done a while back when the Mueller investigation was at its height. And in this exchange, Sater mentions work he might have done for the national security apparatus of the American government. Here's what I know about some of that work. The government has acknowledged Sater's long-running cooperation, and he has spoken publicly about his purported role in obtaining Osama bin Laden's phone number before 9-11, identifying a North Korean official seeking to buy nuclear weapons technology from the Russians, and helping to disrupt an assassination plot on former Secretary of State Colin Powell in Afghanistan. This guy sounds like fucking James Bond. Here's an email that Sater wrote back in 2015. I will get Putin on this program and we will get Donald elected. Sater famously wrote in this email to Michael Cohen, then Trump's personal attorney. Our boy can become president of the USA and we can engineer it. I will get all of Putin's team to buy in on this. I will manage this process. That was Sater writing in an email to Cohen. But here's Sater again with our boy Chris Cuomo. Uh, I believe I'm the furthest thing from Russian. In fact, I wasn't even born in Russia. I was born in the Soviet Union, which has, thank God, since collapsed. Um, the email that I wrote was to a friend that I knew since childhood, Michael Cohen. The excitement about having had worked with someone who is now running for president, especially for an immigrant kid like myself, I was beyond enthusiastic about it. Um, in terms of who would and would not have gotten on board, I was trying to use this opportunity because I had tried to build 
Trump Towers in Moscow, as well as London and Paris and a whole bunch of other cities. And you did licensing agreements uh, involving the Trump name also, which was a huge revenue flow. Absolutely. I did it in New York. I did it in uh, Fort Lauderdale. I tried to do it in, uh, in uh, Phoenix, right. Arizona. I worked on numerous Trump deals in I my get career. It. But what does that have to do with whether or not this was true? Was this true what you were saying, that you had some access to Putin and that he had an interest in trying to help Trump? I don't know Putin. I've never met him. But if this deal was going forward, I certainly would have started working the phones as a real estate developer, which, as I've said on a previous interview, is three parts enthusiast, one part realist. You look at a piece of dirt and you envision a beautiful building standing in front of you. A uh, building of that size, tallest building in the world or the tallest building in Europe, as what I envisioned and what we were trying to accomplish, you would have needed buy-in from governments, from uh, finance institutions, from architects and everybody else. And the truth of the matter is, had this project moved forward, of course, I would have started working the phone, started contacting my business contacts. But you didn't know anybody uh, close to Putin or connected to Putin who was telling you they wanted to help Trump become president of the United States? No, I did not. And you didn't have any knowledge of any government actor in Russia who wanted to help uh, get Trump elected president? I wouldn't involve myself with a government actor of any other government against our country for any reason, Donald Trump or anyone else. So this was just hype and enthusiasm. It wasn't a legitimate offer. That's what you're saying now. This was beyond enthusiasm, but it wasn't hype. Sometimes you hear shit and you gotta shake your head and maybe even laugh at the amount of information that now exists about everything. But yet, almost half of this country has their heads buried in Don's cornhole. Let's be crystal clear about something before we keep going. Donald Trump was in business and working with Felix Sater. Now, Felix Sater worked for the CIA, the Eastern District, the fucking Justice Department, and who knows? Maybe even worked for fucking Mossad. It is actual public record and acknowledged by his government handlers that Sater was involved in the following as a high-level FBI informant. And keep in mind, I'm not making this up. Here are some examples of Sater's work. He established a network of contacts of ranking intelligence, military operatives, and military research facilities in various countries. He provided intelligence on the location of hidden Al-Qaeda terrorist training camps, including information regarding the location of Osama bin Laden and elements of his command structure. He assembled a team of mercenaries comprised of ex-Spetnaz and Afghanistan Northern Alliance fighters in an effort to kill Osama bin Laden in one of his training camps. He was cooperating against a significant number of Wall Street and other financial fraud cases, resulting in numerous numbers of convictions and preventing financial calamity of United States investors. Uh, it's very sweet of him. He was assisting and cooperating in the fight against organized crime, resulting in a significant number of convictions of major organized crime figures. How is this guy still alive? Now, lastly, he provided significant assistance. It was the key principle in a multi-year operation conducted by the FBI and the Justice Department 
that resulted in two of the first and to date largest cybercrime cases brought by the U.S. government against Eastern European and predominantly Russian cybercriminals who were at the time actively assaulting the U.S. financial system. Wow. <laughs> you know, Felix, I'm telling you, if you want to tell the truth, you got to follow I'm telling through the on truth, these kinds of things. At, I'm telling you the Because we're living truth. in this age where people don't know, you know, what's fact and fiction anymore. Either you know the guy or you don't. Chris, you're asking me about what someone else said. I will not answer what somebody else said. I can only answer for myself. But it's the president of the United States. And him saying, I don't know who this guy is, um, smacks of trying to distance himself from facts. And that's why I'm asking you, Felix. It's not to bust your chops. It's just to try to create a record of what we should actually know in this situation. So that's why I'm asking Similarly, another big point of intrigue is that you meet with your friend Michael Cohen and somebody else. He takes the meeting because he knows you, Cohen says. Yes. And at the meeting, you make a proposal for a Ukrainian peace, right? Yes. Uh, and the, this is what we need to do to stop it. Here's a proposal. You give it to Michael and you say, would you deliver this to Michael Flynn? Is that the truth of what happened at that meeting? Uh, close. I gave the proposal to Michael Cohen, who said he would deliver it to Michael Flynn. And what was in that proposal? What was that about? Um, the proposal was, I was working at that time on a very large deal mm -hmm. to fix and re rehabilitate the nuclear power plants in the Ukraine, which are basically Chernobyl-ready, which is, could cause catastrophe. I don't know, man. It sounds like to me that Felix knows a lot of players on the global intelligence landscape. And to go further, if he is a major informant, against Russian cyber criminals, I assume he probably talks to individuals in Russian organized crime. I'm just taking an educated guess here. If going and talking to tough guy Chris Cuomo wasn't enough, Felix went and visited a journalism class at UC Berkeley. And believe it or not, he allowed them to film him talking again. A former business partner of President Donald Trump Felix Sater has been called a convicted Russian mobster in Congress, and the link between Mr. Trump, Russia, and organized crime by the press. Mr. Sater accepted an invitation to come to our seminar to present his side of the story and air his complaints about the media. My experience uh, with the media has been fairly negative, for the most part, maybe about, I'd say about 95%. It has caused, you know, death threats and literally was the cherry on the cake and caused me to get divorced, caused my children to basically have to change their last name. The only thing they want to write about is margarita glass wielding gangster and Donald Trump associate. When I say the media, I just, I'm clearly referring to people that write what I believe is jaded or inappropriate or unfair. I, I, I'm not painting the entire media with that brush. I actually respect journalism. Okay, everybody thinks you're a gangster. Everybody thinks you're a violent felon, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But things did happen. Is that why you don't have any glassware on the table? Yes. <laughs> we, didn't want, we didn't have any no sharp objects. A paper cup with some coffee would have sufficed. Okay. This is interesting. Felix is complaining about the media as the cause of his divorce and his children having to change their names. That is such a stupid fucking thing to say. Here is a guy 
who was a rat against Italian organized crime, Russian criminals, North Koreans, and he slashed a guy in the face with a margarita glass. And he is blaming the press for his divorce and his kids having to change their names? To be honest, I don't know how Felix isn't in the back of a trunk someplace with dollar bills stuffed down his throat. How did you get that reputation? I got into a bar fight. I was very tipsy. He was very tipsy. We got into a bar fight. He went for a beer bottle. I went for a margarita glass. And no, I didn't break the glass and then get on top of him and start trying to carve my initials in his face, okay? It was a fight. He grabbed the bottle, I grabbed the margarita glass, I hit him before he hit me. Period, end of story. I was sent to jail, I lost my license, my stockbroker's license. Couldn't get a job, couldn't even get a job driving a cab. I don't know if you know it, you can't get a job in McDonald's, you can't get a job driving a cab, because once you have a conviction, that's it, you're done. And this was an assault conviction, a bar fight. But I couldn't get a job. I had a three month old child and no money. I got involved in the stock scam. A lot of the brokers and people who were involved were from Brooklyn and Staten Island, areas where there is a lot of mobsters and everybody growing up knew some mobsters. It's common in those neighborhoods to know somebody. You know, everybody, everybody knows somebody who's connected. So a lot of arguments and disagreements about the stocks and all of that and commissions and whatever would bring out gangsters who would try to take advantage of the situation, get their foot in the door to collect money. So you needed your own to protect you from them. And that was when my involvement with gangsters happened. And that all lasted for a whopping 18 months. So for 18 months of my life, when I was involved in a stock fraud, there were elements of organized crime who were used for the purposes of protection. Yes, that is a fact, that is true. Elements of Italian organized crime, Italian organized crime, there were no Russian organized crime. Not once in, in that stock scheme were there any Russian organized crime figures, except my dad was involved with the Russian mob. So you say, Nonchalantly, my dad was in the Russian mob. Yes. Okay, so what's the Russian mob? I mean, we don't... Like every generation, every immigrant group that comes here, um, they have, they're insular. They don't go, they sort of stay to themselves. Gambling, um, you know, your basic run-of-the-mill racketeering. Yep, you heard it, run-of-the-mill racketeering. I wonder what that means when Felix says that. Because when I hear racketeering, that means extortion, possibly some murder, maybe some fraud, drug dealing. Take your pick. I guess for me, as it relates to this story, here's where I'm landing as of now with Don Trump and his so-called associates. As a country, we become so numb to this fuckery that this guy Felix Sater was rolling around in public and he was saying that his father was in the Russian mob, saying that he was an informant for various high-level international criminal adventures. And for some reason, no one fucking cares that the President of the United States did business with this guy. Let me clarify this. I guess people actually do care, but we couldn't do anything about it. I wonder why all the Donald Trump fans 
don't care about these things. They can't be all ignorant. Actually, I know they are. So why was it okay that Trump could be in business with Felix and this alone wasn't impeachable? I'm baffled. <laughs> I say that I'm trying to be joking. But uh, he had a gambling spot and uh, beyond a piece of a restaurant. And when people would fight with each other or have disputes, they would come to him to arbitrate them. Um, never killed anybody. I'm sure he's gotten into a few fights. Uh, my father was convicted one, you know, for, uh, for uh, collecting, collecting money for, basically, it was an extortion, but for businesses in the area who were paying him protection money. And that's, that was his involvement in Russian organized crime. But Felix Sater and his late father have been described in media reports as associates of an infamous Russian organized crime boss, Semyon Mogilevich. And so when the name Mogilevich, for instance, a, a publicly known Glad you said that. Per- person, right? Glad you said that. Who was considered high up in Russian organized crime, is associated with your dad and with you. Not true? I don't know, have never met, wouldn't know if he fell on me, who Mogilevich is. Have never been involved with him, directly or indirectly. My connection to Mr. Magilevich, which is being written about, and there's now a documentary that I'm a lieutenant. Yeah, I mean, come on, could have at least made me a major. (laughs) About Magilevich, and if it's not me, then my father was his lieutenant. So let me tell you my relationship with Magilevich. In the mid-2000s, the FBI comes to me and says, Felix, could you help us? Something that I've been doing for years, since 1998, is helping them read prospectuses of Wall Street companies to show them where the scam was. They came to me with a company called Magnix and said, could you please look at this because we think there's a Russian gangster named Magilevich behind it. You know, he is. I have no idea. They said, yeah, we didn't think so. Um, could you look into this company and tell us where you think the scam is? I said, sure, no problem. I went home that night, called my dad, and said, Dad, do you know a guy named Magilevich? My dad said, never heard of him. He wasn't defending him. He was his son asking. I was asking my dad, Dad, do you know Magilevich? He never heard of him. I went through the prospectus, gave it back to them, and that is my connection with Mr. Magilevich. Our independent reporting failed to find any corroboration of a direct connection between that Russian organized crime boss and either Felix Sater or his father. I am not a gangster. I, in the sense of the word of organized crime, am I a member of organized crime? No, nor have I ever been, ever. Have I had instances in my life when I had an involvement with them? Yes, I'm being honest with you. Yes, I have. That doesn't make me a gangster. I think this would be a good spot to talk about the word gangster. Gangsters come in a lot of forms and fashion. And today, in 2021, I would make the argument that our own gangsters here in America are the well-dressed senators... House of Representatives, and other political entities. They are legal gangsters who come into office worth maybe a few hundred grand and walk out years later in upwards of 20 million, 30 million. That's fucking gangster. Felix saying he isn't a gangster might be the understatement of the century. The guy has a license to steal. He works both sides of the street. As a high-level informant, 
I would bet you money the many crimes that he has committed has been brushed under the table as he has handed off valuable information to the CIA or the DEA. See with Felix, the things I've told you about him, those are things that are available in the public record. I can't even imagine what is kept behind closed doors. So Felix should really walk off into the sunset and stop trying to defend himself in the media because it's a borderline comedy routine. And to be honest, it's insulting my intelligence. Felix represents everything wrong with our government as it relates to politics, justice, and money. The guy's a fucking rat, the lowest of the low, a jerk off. So it would be fair though to characterize you that at one time you were an associate of organized crime people. You were either in business with them or friendly with them or yes. shared interests with them. Yes. And you made money off of that, that relationship. Yes. Yes, that would be fair to characterize. Well, you just didn't associate with these people. You've informed on them to the U.S. government. Yes. Right? So they all know. I didn't inform on them. I cooperated with the U.S. government. But I wasn't working for the government against somebody, okay? I was working with the U.S. government against everybody who was our enemies. Foreign and domestic. Get it? Why haven't they killed me yet? Maybe they will. I don't know. Maybe this is my last interview. In 1997, before he was formally charged in the stock fraud, Felix Sater left New York to do business in Russia, where he says he was recruited by the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA. I stopped doing that stock scam, got out of that company, and started a very legitimate company. And from that company, I was invited to work on a, a telecommunications deal in Russia. What were the people you met on the Russian side at this time, in the 90s? Oh, everyone from business. I mean, working in telecommunication. Oh, a lot of GRU guys. A lot of Russian intel were in the telecommunications business. And they were enamored with me. I was a, an American who understood Wall Street, who understood business, who spoke perfect Russian. One day we're sitting at dinner and they turn around and they say, oh, we're going to introduce you to another American guy who works for the CIA, just like you. I said, okay, sure. I gave him my phone. The next day he calls me and I meet him at an at a Irish pub right, across, right around the corner from where I had an apartment there. And he tells me, we sat down, we spoke, he goes, we checked you out. He goes, you know, I'm with the Defense Intelligence Agency and we need you because literally we need you to spy on Russia. And that's when he recruited me. I provided intel on Stinger missiles, I provided intel on Osama bin Laden, but I wasn't officially working for them. And then when I subsequently surrendered, I started working through the FBI. In 1998, Sater returned from Russia to plead guilty to racketeering in connection with that stock fraud. He began cooperating with the FBI in cases involving members of organized crime. So was making the decision to work with them difficult for you, or it was, was it obvious? Difficult. It was extremely difficult for me, because growing, you know, growing up in places like Coney Island, growing up in Brooklyn, uh, you know, ratting was, oh my God, that was better to get cancer. Actually, my father was the one who convinced me to do it, because I was really thinking, no, I won't, or maybe I won't come back, or of course I had all of those thoughts. My father said to me, he said, son, you're a businessman, you're, you're a Wall Street guy. I don't care what you did, you did something wrong. He goes, you're not a gangster. Everybody cooperates. Go, cooperate. If you get some time, you get some time, at least you'll come out, you'll be with your family. 
He said, you're not a gangster, so don't act like one. Go back and cooperate with the government. You said that you left the stock scam after 18 months voluntarily. Yes. Why did you leave? I just want to hear more about. Because it's disgusting from day one, mm -hmm. from the bar fight, yeah. through the end of the stock scam, mm -hmm. was one long, disgusting nightmare that brought out only the worst people and the worst situations but I felt that's what I was doing to survive. I've had about enough of this guy talking out of both sides of his mouth. And to go further, if you are surprised by the information that exists on Felix, like I was, as we descend into the lower level of Donnie's Russian Inferno, you will come to learn that Felix was just a start. He was just a minor figure. See, Felix talks a lot about gangsters and organized crime, and his work with intelligence agencies. And I was surprised when I did my research on how much of this information is readily available. But in this story, the characters that I will introduce you to will make Felix look like a choir boy. Characters who have been brought into a meat grinder of Vladimir Putin, Russian intelligence, and Russian mafia. Because I will let you in on a secret. Putin, the Russian mob, and Russian intel, they're all the same team, the same company. They operate together, not separate. This is the story of Vladimir Putin's global campaign of targeted assassination. This is about how the Russian state goes after enemies, traitors, critics, journalists, those who seek to expose Vladimir Putin's links to organized crime. It's a story about intimidation, it's a story of statecraft, and it's one of the most disturbing geopolitical stories of our time. 